0: If you would like our free newsletters on various religious topics just send us an email at cdebater at aol.com and free newsletters will be sent to you by mail Just provide your postal address in your email The following are samples of some of the newsletters we have available Does God Believe in Atheists? Part 1 Seventh-day Adventism, true or false? The agony of deceit? The origins of Muhammad's religion? Spiritual warfare? Are psychic mediums communicating with ghosts or demonic spirits? Testimony to the eternal Godhead, the Trinity. From Tradition to Truth, A Priest's Story. An evaluation of the Oneness Pentecostal movement Mormonism – Counterfeit Christianity Turn or Burn Jehovah's Witnesses – Deceived Deceivers Links to these newsletters can also be found at our website www.biblequery.org Once on the homepage, simply click on the menu icon at the upper left hand corner. Then click on the newsletters button. Feel free to print them out. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear.
1: It's a great joy an Irish man to be here in Derry. It's his famous history, and it's a it's a privilege to be able to speak in this city. Uh, I want to begin with a an overview of uh, my own testimony, how I became a Roman Catholic priest, and I was a Catholic priest, a devout Catholic priest, for 22 years, and. Uh, how I came to be a Catholic priest. I grew up in Dublin and uh, my family was devout Catholic. My earliest memories are four-year-old in the living room of our house in Dublin, praying the Rotary, praying to Mary every single evening. We never missed praying the Rotary and it was a it was a very big part of our life, and we would pray the 50 Hail Marys, and then we would um, afterwards pray, Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, Hail our life, our sweetness, and hope. Our life was built around Mary, and we prayed mostly to Mary. It was the days before personal prayer came along. It wasn't to come along until the 1970s when the charismatic movement began in the, began in the Catholic Church. So, in those days, we only prayed what you call rote prayers, prayers that we had memorized, and especially the Hail hey Mary. We addressed Mary as the one who was our help and the one who would bring us comfort. So, it was Mary was the center of her prayer. So some of you were sick, you said Three Hail Marys. So it was like the formula was always praying to Mary. So that was my earliest memories was praying to Mary in the, in the rosary. And then I went to study with the Jesuits from primary school and and secondary school. So the Jesuits had me from all my education and when I was seven years old I could defend why we as Catholics had a living voice, we had an infallible Pope and we didn't have a dead book. That you was know, some of the sort of the things we said, you know, because we had an infallible Pope and our our whole faith was in, in the Catholic Church as such. So it was um a very sincere, but it didn't bring you anywhere because we also prayed to the saints, you know, we were saint. St. Jude if something was lost St. Dymphna if you're emotionally obsessed you pray to St. Dymphna and uh, young ladies would pray to St. Anne the prayer about St. Anne St. Anne bring me <laughs> that's, well, that's how we would joke about it but they would pray more intently to to, um, to St. Anne so the saints for everything there was, it was mixed something and it was it didn't really get anywhere with our tradition and uh, then I, <clears throat> when I was young, I was high-flying in social life. I was a good tennis player, and I, I loved to dances at the tennis club every Saturday. Oh, man, I used to love those gals. And my as a young boy. I said, which one will I marry? And maybe that girl there, you know. And uh, I was really enjoying life and uh, I had my mind made up I was going to become a dentist so I'd get a good living and I was going to get married and I had my eye on one particular girl eventually and then something happened Pope Pius XII he was a very severe looking Pope during the war years and he came over with a encyclical, that's a letter to the whole church and of course as Catholics we are meant to study what he said. I not only studied what he said, I memorized what I thought was most significant and to this day I knew it by heart. These are his exact words of what he wrote way back then. Great mystery this and source of unending contemplation that the salvation of many should depend on the prayers and sacrifices of the members of the mystical body of Christ offered for this intention. The salvation of souls by prayer and sacrifice of Catholic people. That was the message, and I took it very seriously. And so seriously I said, I'm not going to get married. I'm going to dedicate myself to the church. I'm going to sacrifice the joys of being married. I'm going to become a Catholic priest. So this was my motivation because the Pope said, prayer and sacrifice was the way that brought salvation. At least bring people to go to purgatory and then to heaven afterwards. But that that was the way for salvation. And uh, I went into the Dominican Order, and we were finally to do eight years. First year was a devotional year, and then afterwards in County Cork along the Lee River. Uh, we had a, I had studies there in the Dominican Priory for two years. I had bought a Bible as a young man. Three pounds was a fortune for me to back those. I thought I'm going to study the Bible. You know? First year was all devotionals, mostly to do with Mary, the way of the cross, mystical prayer, which is a big part of Catholicism, and on and on, just devotionals and religious readings, and it was lives of saints and you know, just on and on. And then we started study philosophy, the philosophy of Thomas, Aqu- not Thomas, Thomas Aquinas based himself on Aristotle. Aristotle, pagan, before 300 years before Christ came into the world. I have a book of 50 former priests, far from Rome, near to God, the Testaments of 50 former priests. It's the same with every one of those. Every single one, you studied philosophy at least for two years. I did it three years. Every single priest must study the the philosophy of 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 Greece through learning Aristotle. And uh they needed to prove some things in their theology, they needed some of the physics and metaphysics of Aristotle to prove some of their things to do with the sacraments. That was actually we found out the reason later. So we didn't study the Bible. It was philosophy. I, I sometimes joke with my wife if she does something, and I will quote Aristotle to her. <laughs> I say, in, in taste there's no dispute. I know a whole lot of, of the sayings of uh, Aristotle. I know them in Latin because we studied it in Latin. Uh, so, and she's not highly impressed when I, <laughs> when I quote Aristotle's philosophy to her. But uh, we did. We learned it, and i I memorize it like people would memorize scripture, I still know a lot of it and it uh, doesn't get you anywhere, but at least you know, it shows when you memorize something as, as a young person, sometimes you remember it all through your life, and so it was difficult but then we, I was sent to Tala in Dublin, just outside Dublin, and to study theology for four years again, it wasn't the Bible we studied um, Thomas Aquinas, who was based on Aristotle, church councils, decrees of the church, and he was one who could, from many different sources, try to teach us, and particularly major to of him teaching about the sacraments. Maybe he was baptized, and, and uh, you put water over the head, that the power of the words and the pulling of the water um, new life is given. That's one of the ones that they use. Aristotle, that a physical thing can give spiritual life. You need to prove that by Aristotle. But uh, that's the things we were learning. And it was... Uh, we studied intently Thomas Aquinas. We did some stuff about the Bible. We learned about the Bible but it was from some German scholars like, um, uh, um, was it, and some of the others, I can't remember to say all the names now, but this was to disprove the genuineness of scripture that they really copied and they didn't have, they weren't genuine scripts they were reading St. John. It wasn't really John, it was how people tried to put together what they, they think John would have said, and on and on. Just damnable lies based on German philosophy, which historically hadn't got a leg to stand on, so that was what we were taught. So we learned to distrust the Bible because of form criticism, action criticism, and higher criticism, that they were the three uh, names for that horrific system which we studied intently. So. I was more put off reading Bible you know, because and this is the reason why we have Mother Church and we have an infallible Pope so I went on studying and I was uh, quite devout and quite intent when I was a student a few years I learned what Mary was supposed to have said at Fatima in you know, the apparitions of Mary Mary was supposed to say many souls go to hell because there's nobody to pray or do penance for them this was like the Pope said, but much more explicit. Souls go to hell because there's nobody to suffer for them or do penance. So I decided to do, to do more penance. Living in a monastic setting was very rigorous anyway, but I thought to do more penance. And you know how it cold it gets in Ireland in the winter? we had showers and I would go in as I got up in the morning and just turn on the cold tap fully and go in and stand under that until my bones would like me shake with with pain it was one of the more horrific penances I've ever done and and I couldn't bear it anymore I'd get out of the shower and then later on I would start walking with little pebbles in my shoes to feel pain when I walked and then, after some months, I moved I, I, I a little whip. I got permission from the, the priest who was in charge of us students to move a little whip, take off my white gown, my Dominican gown, and my own shirt, and whip uh, myself what they call flagellation. In the lives of the saints that I had read, some people had whipped themselves to blood. I never came near blood, just so I couldn't bear it any longer. But this is how devout I was see in this book of 50 former priests, other priests doing things like that. It was a Catholic teaching, mm-hmm. not just like the Pope said it and the, and the apparitions, that you know, when you suffer, you can help redeem people so they would come to salvation. Of course, that is utterly blasphemous. If you know the gospel, it's Christ mm-hmm. by himself, Christ sent Christ. Alone sacrifices accepted with God, and any human addition to it is, is is an insult to Christ Jesus. But we didn't understand that, so it's really sad to see other priests like myself doing things like this. But um, we we went on, and I I did really well in studies, and I I was sent to the. Angelicum University to do, to do nine months and to get two um, degrees in theology. So I was sent to Rome. That was for the extra special students who did well in the examination. So I was off to Rome 1964. I'm now dating 63. And I was aghast. When I reached Rome, we had called Rome the holy city. The first note, when you came off the train and we were coming to walk towards the Colosseum and a little bit up towards the Colosseum was San Clemente, the church and the the Dominican house, San Clemente. The prostitutes on the street were were quite evident. And it was, I never saw anything like this in Dublin. And I said, this is supposed to be the holy city. It was worse when the classes began at the college. There was 300 in the class and um, I found after a few weeks, because everybody spoke English for the most part, even from all countries of the different world, Latin was the language that the class was in. Of course, we all were fluent at Latin, and uh, it, was, it was really a distress to me, because it was about six out of the 300 like myself, trying to be holy and good priests, and the others couldn't care less, They were there to get a degree and get a high position and get a well-salaried job somewhere, you know, because they were had the degrees in the Catholic Church. And uh, then the immoral language and it was evident that these men are highly immoral. Immoral, and I just stopped associating and talking to some of these because I was scandalized to see. This is the Holy city, and this is supposed to be the cream of the crop. You know this is the, the best priests you know, from over the have qualified to come here to the best university in the world. The Jesuits said they had the best. We said the Dominicans, we had the best, one of the best universities. And it was just horrible, and I couldn't take it. I literally couldn't stomach it. I was, I was getting sick. I got permission to go to Fiesole near Florence for two weeks' rest, and then I came back, and I tried again. And then the, the man who was looking after my thesis to write, he asked me, how is my thesis coming along for my degree? And I said, I'm not going to do any thesis. I'm not going to do either degree. He said, what? This is why you came here to Rome? I said, I can't stand it. I've got, I've got to get early exams and get out of here. He said, you must do it. And he talked to some other leading men, professors, and they talked to me, and I said, no. And then the first man came back and he said, he said, if you're having problem writing a thesis, he said, I have a thesis here that was written some years ago by a man, and I'll give you that and just change it around a bit and put your name on it. I said to him, I can't do that. That's immoral. I said, just look at Karakara Park and you see the prostitutes parading their goods, that's immoral. This is immoral, what you're saying, not like being reprimanded by a young priest, this, this professor. I said, that's immoral. I could not do that, and I'm not going to do any degree. I'm going to get early exams and go home to Ireland, back to Dominican Priory. Tala, and uh, they were very furious and I reached back Ireland, uh, oh man, the superior was really annoyed and he he uh, talked to some other of the main men in charge of the order and I was got a, an assignation, that's a, an assignment where I was told I had to go to Trinidad West Indies uh, that is it's just about 10 degrees away from the equator uh, extremely hot and humid, and really strange. When I came down on the tarmac, 64, uh, temperature is like going into an oven <laughs> when you open the door, and you come down the step, and then the uh, from the first night, the mosquitoes not mosquitoes, but and other insects. Amongst people, four or five thousand insects all come alive just around six before it gets dark. Uh, it's, you can't sleep at night with the noise of the insects. And it wasn't, uh, uh, in some of them, like the mosquitoes, were troublesome too, but it's a noise. And uh, uh, it was really, really strange. And then the snakes, you know, that was. <laughs> talking about snakes in the grass. You had to have your grass cut because you literally have snakes in the grass. And then when, the, you, know, when you came to, you, you parked your car, and you finally got home someplace, you, 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 you got a, a, you know, a, a torch and you looked underneath to see if there were any snakes in the chassis. You know, because if they were, they could come down. And next time you come into the garage, you might be bitten by a coral snake or something. You know that. So it was was strange, it was strange, and then when I started hearing confessions, it was, in those days, Catholics went much to confession, it wasn't just I sweat because of the tropics, the things I was hearing, it was, you're sitting in a confession box for about four hours on Saturday afternoon when you have supper and then you go back for another hour. It's, it's like sitting in a dumpster with garbage poured all over you, you know. And it, it, it's worse because it's, 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 it's immoral filth into your ear. And uh, sometimes with the young women, they're right beside you because you only have a grill and you're looking right at their face. I would see the sweat on their on cheeks. And they told me some of the, uh, the sexual sins and everything. It was horrible, you know and uh, I never thought it was going to be like that you know and and then as the years went by the people came back with the same sins and you wonder we said it in Latin in those days it went later on into English you know I absolve you from all your sins in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and people come back two weeks later and some of the people you could see they were confessing, committing adultery so many times and then you know they're going to come back next to with the same thing, they're still going to communion, you know, he said, I mean, it's, this is not like the Irish Catholicism, at least the Irish Catholics were you know, trying to live Catholic life, but these, it, it is just really strange, and uh, it was very hard to keep going, and, uh, I did, and I baptised babies in root accidents, and road axes, they, and they—they knew nothing about driving. They no speed limits, and, and it was there was full speed limits. But if the police stopped you, they were looking for a bribe or something, so, uh, so that you could—they wouldn't give you a ticket. But it was a—it was strange island, and it was a, I just persevered, and I was—I uh, was nine years a priest, and my life totally changed. I was visiting a home instead of 24 steps while they came down, tied up the old dogs. I did what I did when I visited that home before. I jumped a little fence three foot to the top of the hill, was going to knock on the door and somehow I slipped. I went down those 24 concrete steps on my back and I damaged my back spine (laughs) and the whole nervous system going up into the brain and I was three days unconscious and it. It's hard to explain, but there's like a subconscious consciousness when you're unconscious, things I sort of recall. you don't know I even how to get words for it. How, how painful it was to know that you just have to let go and you're dead, and you're somehow trying to hold on. And this is all on in your unconscious mind, but mm. I was very aware when I was unconscious. I don't know mm. how to explain it, but it was frightening. And when I came back to consciousness, I was in a mess because of the pain and the turbulence around my head because of the the wound in the head and uh, Neurosurgeon examined me with X-rays, and he said that I had really I done colossal damage uh, to my whole emotional system because the the nervous system goes right up the back spine into the head into the brain; it's all connected. And he said I had the it was um it would be about two it would be about two years before I was normal again. <laughs> Not a nice report from a neurosurgeon, but at least I knew it was going to be normal again. So it was, I was in a sanatorium there for about three months. and uh, But in the time in the sanatorium, when I was really, really conscious of what had happened, I wondered if I died, where we were gone. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I did sacraments, but I knew I wasn't right with God. And if I had died, I would have gone to hell. And I was frightened, really frightened, when you come so close to death. So I began studying the Bible. The Lord had me read St. John's Gospel, and then the first letter of John, then Isaiah 53, because I knew that was something about why Christ was going to die then prophecy. And then I started reading Paul's letters, and I got stuck, as it were, I got stuck in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. I kept reading them sometimes 20 times a day, I'd read Ephesians chapter 1 and 2. Um, it started to, it was just utter revelation to me, it was, first of all, it, it I had always thought Catholics it's like a, you know, salvation is in, in, in the in human heart. You're justified at baptism, made inwardly just and it's in in you, in the human soul and the human heart. I taught it to the children of Catholicism, it was all salvation. It's like you know, and then you get you get you get sacramental grace through the sacraments like to a uh, to get your uh, petrol in your car you know you get filled up and it's in new. and it was that was the standard teaching I saw in Ephesians 1 Paul explains the gospel and then he says accept it in the beloved and then he talks about redemption in Christ, in whom, in him you know, all the different ways of explaining salvation I got a red pen went to my Catholic Bible I underlined 42 times in those two chapters, salvation is in Christ. What a revelation to me. Then it was Paul's own testimony, Philippians, that you know, may be found in him not having my own righteousness. It was what John said. I went back to read John's gospel, everlasting life. You know. as the Son has life. We were in the, you know, who does not have the Son does not have life. It's, it's, everlasting life is in the Son. It's in Christ. And on and on. It's the same in Peter's letter the righteousness of God in Christ. It was all in Christ. And this was utter, utter contrast. And I went on studying. I studied grace, what grace was. I knew that as exact definitions of grace is the sacraments of the new covenant are necessary for salvation, still official Catholic teaching to this day. I knew that. And then we would name the seven sacraments. That's how you get grace. And uh, then I read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Works was the word we used in our official declaration of what the sacraments were. We said that they worked, ex opere operato. That is, they worked absolutely for certain. From the work, worked. That's the way you translate those Latin words. Ex opere operato. And we define them as works. And the Bible says, not a works. And this was causing my stomach now to be upset. (laughs) See, this is my job. This is who I am. How How can I continue the search? And it was it was difficult and the climax came actually it was after some months I stopped and then went back to it again it was faith and the scripture was clear Paul to, in, in, to the jail keeper believe in the Lord Jesus Christ the object was Christ faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God Peter said we have obtained uh, faith uh, through through righteousness I forget the exact words but Peter says the same thing it's always grace is the gift of God and the object is believing in Christ and that became clear to me it's interesting to see other priests come to the same conclusion in their testimonies in this book but there's hardly a testimony that that those verses didn't impact Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 and and faith, I I, I saw then. It, it, grace is what it says, and I came to study faith. The Catholic Church is emphatic that we believe on the Church. It says the 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 the, the Church is the mother of all believers. Believing is an ecclesial act. The church's faith precedes, engenders, and nourishes our faith. One can have God as father who does not have the church as mother. It is a church that believes first and so bears and nourishes our faith. These are exact quotations. I knew exact Catholic teaching. We believe on the church she is the one who gives us faith. And she's the one who instructs us and gives us the sacraments. And that was that was the clinch. And after that I really desired to really desired to to be what the scripture said. And I would sit in my chair and I would say, like God in heaven, I I I, I trust. On Christ Jesus by faith and grace and I want to be accepted in him as it says in Ephesians and have salvation and I come back another evening and again in my living room or something again sitting in a chair I'd I'd say and nothing seemed to happen and I was I was in pieces, because now now I was drinking to, to steady my nerves. I was taking sometimes two beers and a little bit of rum to sleep at night, and, and when I would talk to other priests, they'd hear me, because of who was I, you know, we studied all that back in seminary, who, who you know, forget that, you know, and, and the golf courts to say, Bennett, you pray to you, Jesus, to get that ball down, you know, they would, they would mock me, you know, and, and so anyway, so here's my crying out to God now. I got on the floor and I knelt down and I said, God in heaven, show me. I've been studying this now for years now since my accident. Show me what it is because I desire, I desire to be right with you and have peace with you and have sins forgiven. And I'm no closer than when I started back in 1972. That's when the accident took place. Now we're in the 80s, and it's coming up to 84, 85. And then the Lord brought to me a verse, and I thank God for this he brought to mind. A verse I knew well, but I never applied it. He said, you being dead in trespass and trespassing sins. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And I prayed again on my knees, God, show me. I am spiritually dead, and if you dare pray that prayer, God shows you. And you're not when you're not saved, He shows you. He showed me I'm spiritually dead. I thought I'd been a good priest, not like some of these womanizer uh, uh, priests and all of these priests who, who you know overdo rum, you know, from 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 actually morning to night and with all the the wickedness I knew in the lives of other priests. And I'm a good priest, I used to think. And I, now searching in the Bible since my accident, and I must have something going for me when God would say, spiritually dead. And then I realized, I'm spiritually dead. And so another evening I was on the floor and I knelt down and I said, God in heaven, I'm spiritually dead. Give me the gift of faith. Give me the gift of faith and energize it and make it alive by the grace in which you empower it so that I would know salvation in Christ and have my sins forgiven and have peace with you. And then I knelt there for about five, ten minutes as the Spirit of God was coming over me and I put my hands to heaven. I said, Father in heaven, I thank you that I believe in Christ alone. Trust him alone by the grace that he gives. My sins are forgiven. I have peace with you and have everlasting life. I praise and I thank you, Father in heaven, for the gift of salvation. And then I got down on the floor and I cried for about 15 minutes. And it was then that any addiction I was beginning to get to drink was gone. And then next Sunday I was telling people uh, don't come to me for confession it says in 1st John if anyone says God is faithful and just to forgive sins and I was quoting I said don't come to me and people were phoning the archbishop and, and the following Sunday I was trying to explain what happened to me to the people that maybe you should just look to God and ask him to show you that you really are spiritually dead and then look to him for praise the great I was trying to explain to them what had happened to me and that didn't go well. And I was called to the archbishop's house and when he heard the reports of what I preached and I was told I had to leave the parish and was not going to, I had a little while to get out but had to leave and I was never to, never to, I knew better I was never to preach like I had preached and so it was. Um, it was then that I cried out to God when I saw that I could not continue, that he I, he'd give me a love for Catholics that I could give what I found to precious Catholic people, and I cried out. And he, so you know, you sense that God is assuring you that this will be. And by God's grace, I got to. I was able to leave Trinidad, I go to Barbados, and Canada. Canada, come across with a Greyhound bus into the States, and. Uh, with two bags, the worst of my life, and three hundred and fifty dollars in travelers checks, but God has looked after me and by god's grace now twenty seven years since all of this, I have a mission reaching out to Catholics in love, and I do see precious Catholic people coming to others, and I do see evangelicals, so I call evangelicals, a lotnder I'm not evangelical but they you know they they denying the grace. It's making it look like you know, just come forward, sign the card, make your decision. You know, we'll, we'll certify the Billy Graham type. If you go on the Billy Graham uh, uh, webpage or Campus Crusade, you know, all you got to do is this and this and this, and uh, Louis Perlau sort of thing. Invite Christ into your heart. That message was to the was to Christians in the U.S. not it's not a gospel message. And you know, and, and all, all these things, and I really get ministering to false evangelicals, and that's a great, a great, because there's nowhere for Catholics. You've got to warn them of what's out there. <laughs> they have to know a, a doctor's of Grace Church. They have to know where the gospel is truly preached. as the church that has put on this meeting tonight, you know, that that that's they have to know that. So, so I thank God for that. So, that's a little overview. Uh, have anybody any questions or uh, anything you want to ask because um, I really want to get into Patrick. <laughs> I was so so encouraged when when I became a believer then to discover that the fate of the Irish for seven hundred years after Patrick had preached the true gospel here for 700 years was biblical and nothing like Catholic or anything with rituals in it. Nothing like it. Absolutely biblical. And that Patrick had written many things, a testimony, a letter to Karadikos, and you can get many little booklets like this uh, on, on his, his life story, on his letter to Karadikos, translated from Matthew. You can get it so easy on the internet. Uh, The testimony of Patrick and the letter to Karatekas, the two authentic manuscripts, and we're sure that they are authentic. You know, there's different places that have saved, you know, uh, copies of ancient records where we had them from. I'm sure it was written by Patrick himself. So, I really want to get to that. But if there's any questions, you should take the questions. Yes. I was 18 when I, when I went in. Yes, I was. A, and it, it's sad that that's the case in this book. You find most of the priests went in early and, and they come out late. They usually come in the 40s. It's really sad that when the Lord does wake up the men in this book, this is a, I know more since this book was published in 1984. This is a third edition. Uh, I know many more priests who are saved, but it's sad that they, they come out later in life and they used to come out in the mid to late 40s or 50s. And it's so sad that when they get married afterwards, that they, the very few have children because they would get married too late. You know, but it, it's, um, it's, it's that is consistent. It was going in early and usually uh, then. Happy really coming to see the message of salvation in life. Good question. But that's the way it was with me and with most of the priests in this book.
0: If you would like a free newsletter on this or other subjects, just give us a call at Christian Answers. The phone number is Area Code 512-218-8022. That's 512-218-8022. Or you could email us at cdebater at AOL.com. That's cdebater at AOL.com. Thank you. Hello, this
2: is Larry Wessels, Director of Christian Answers of Austin, Texas, Christian Debater Ministries. I'm pleased to introduce to my audience a dear brother in the Lord, Richard Bennett, Director of Berean Beacon Ministries, an outreach to Roman Catholics. It is great to be here, Larry. For people that don't know you, you were a Roman Catholic priest for 22 years. Is that right? Please give us a short account of your life.
1: Yes, I was a Catholic priest for 22 years. I was a Catholic altogether for 48 years, having grown up in Dublin, Ireland. I was trained uh, very early on in my education, in what we call secondary and elementary education, Uh, by the Jesuits and then I decided to become a Catholic priest and I spent eight years in preparation. It was a novitiate year and then six years to ordination when I was ordained a priest in Dublin, Ireland in 1963 and then one year in Rome, eight years in all. Then I spent uh, 21 years in uh, Trinidad West Indies as a parish priest carrying out the the work of a priest. I had the best academic training you could get finishing up in the city of Rome itself near the Vatican and I I really had a desire to bring P- Catholics to Uh, what we thought was a way of being right with God so that they could get to purgatory and then that they finally could get to heaven and I was great for doing penances and sacrifices and then I was very devout in Trinidad uh, uh, baptising babies, hearing people's confessions and doing all the sacraments. It was in 1972 I had a very serious accident where I was three days unconscious after the serious accident and then after that time when I got out of the hospital and the sanatorium I began searching in the Bible for what is truth. It took me 14 years of comparing the Bible to Catholicism before I realized that I was dead in trespasses and sins and it was by grace alone that we are saved. I One night I got on the floor in my house and I cried out to God for faith and his grace to save a wretch like me dead in trespass and sins and he gloriously did that. It was about two months afterwards. I very reluctantly left the Catholic Church because my prayer after I was right with God by biblical salvation was that I could really love Catholics and give them the real true gospel of grace that is grace alone, faith alone and in Christ alone. But then in prayer over those two months after I was saved, the Lord showed me that I could best serve him and love Catholics if I left, actually, the priesthood and the Catholic Church and reached out to Catholics nonetheless. And um, I, I did that. I left uh, the priesthood in 1985 and uh, reached the States in 1986. And uh, I, um, I just prayed and prayed that I would have a love for Catholics to reach out. I thank the Lord that after one year as a missionary in China, I was able to start the ministry that I now have called BereanBeacon.org. It is to show Catholics the real truth of where salvation is in a person, not in any church. And it is by God's grace, not by any ritual that any church does. So this has been really wonderful I've seen priests save I saw two priests in Poland you know through our ministry we have a Polish webpage besides many other languages and of course in English and I thank God that I have seen God's grace poured out and that is my heart's desire Larry that Catholics would know the truth and that evangelicals in this very false ecumenical age would see the differences. Uh, I have a very interesting article on the webpage uh, are Catholics Christians and we've had Tremendous response to that evangelicals whose eyes have been opened in reading that article. So it's with love for Catholics and to show the truth of Christ Jesus that God will be glorified and many, many souls saved, particularly Catholics, to the glory of his name.
2: Outstanding. That was a wonderful testimony, Richard. Uh, could you just real briefly tell us about, the? Uh, you've written some books And you've already mentioned your ministry, but what are these books you've written, and how can people find them?
1: Yes, I have written or edited, uh, written some and edited others, and uh, they have been amazing. I just thank God. Uh, Our most well-known book is Far From Rome, Near to God, The Testimonies of 50 Converted Catholic Priests. Since 1994, that book has sold steadily across the world in English and in other languages. And uh, it's on the third edition now. And uh, the other book that has my heart really displayed, and uh, my love for Catholics, is the book I've written about Catholicism called Catholicism, East of Eden, Insights into Catholicism for the 21st Century. This book is uh, published by Banner of True Trust, like the uh, book of the 50 Testimonies of Former Priests. And um, I thank God for that because the Lord has used that book and brought many Catholics to himself by that book. Uh, The other book that my heart was in, in editing, together with Mary Hertel, is a book called The Truth Set Us Free, 20 former nuns tell their stories and that book has been used mightily of the Lord as well and I thank God for the, those women most of whom are still alive and active in reaching out to Catholics themselves and it is just a wonderful testimony of God's grace and the the other book I've written is called On the Wings of Grace Alone I've edited that and that is just 30 ordinary Catholics and uh, what we call lay Catholics and how the Lord brought them to salvation. That is an amazing book too. How can you obtain these books? Well, go to our webpage, boreenbeacon.org, and just go to the folder on the left-hand side, Books, and when you click on that, it gives all the details of how you can get those books.
2: Outstanding. Well, Richard, uh, we're going to go into... uh showing people your videos now here across uh, particularly our audience on youtube but uh, many people don't know that you and me go to the same church here in austin texas so it gives me a special opportunity to be around you a lot just so we can do ministry work but anyway i want to thank you for allowing us to post your videos uh, on the internet through youtube and other internet servers praise
1: god and may souls be saved and the lord glorified amen and amen amen
2: if you like our YouTube channel, please subscribe by clicking on the subscribe button and then by also clicking the bell above to get an automatic update whenever we produce another YouTube video for our C Answers TV channel. Please share our videos with your friends and relatives. May God bless you. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. See related videos by tapping or clicking screens.